Blue Wire. I, I didn't go to law school, but I do understand the uh, offensive of just shutting the f- up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the old saying of like, you know, a fish would never get caught if it didn't open its mouth. Never heard that, but I like it. Yeah. Shut the f- up. <laughs> Intro finished. <laughs> Welcome to Unsalvageable, a Utah jazz podcast, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. With me, Sarah Todd, jazz beat reporter for the Deseret News, and as always, my co-host, Greg Foster. Greg, we are boosted and roosted and ready to go. Trified. <laughs> yeah. Try boosted. Try yeah. trifecta. Try tip. I've That's never really been. I've never really been one to pass up a shot. <laughs> Ah, uh, good stuff. So I had to go in and do it on him. And um, there is a bit of breaking news on this podcast. Go ahead and break it. It seems that uh, hoes are indeed mad. <laughs> the haters are devastated by the, is... by the boostiness of this podcast. <laughs> I am going to go to Smith's and I'm going to get some boost shakes. <laughs> and I'm going to go out in the parking lot and I'm just going to drink them like I'm Stone Cold Steve Austin. And then smash the containers on your head. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm triple vaxxed. And you know what? I got my flu shot last week as well. And I also did. I need to be honest. My internet connection has never been better. I, you know what? I have noticed that I've had better reception when in rural parts of the country. Yeah. <laughs> For everyone who doesn't know, Greg and I got our booster shots. And there are some people that are apparently really mad at us for, I don't know. Being good people, I guess. Doing our civic duty. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. It's really weird to be part of a fan base that adores Jordan Clarkson and then gets mad at people for taking shots. Hey, listen, you, what's the, what's the saying? Can't miss if you don't take the shot. Um, never mind. Uh, <laughs> that's a Wayne Gretzky thing yeah. slash Michael Scott, right? Right. Yeah. Wayne Gretzky. Like, this is, Michael this Scott. is me. Yeah. Like, you know, huge office guy here. Yeah. The jet, the, uh, we were literally basketball is back baby because the jazz have played two regular season games. Now they certainly have and can't do any better. I mean, I personally could not even imagine cheering for a team with a single loss already. Yeah, must alone be tough. Too. <coughs> Lakers. <coughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it. I mean, it must. It must be really hard. But you know, we're built different. Before we get to uh, a team that hasn't lost, let's talk about a man in the NBA who is doing nothing but losing lately, and that's one Robert Sarver. Huge. B- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Victor's not a fan, so. You know it's bad. A couple things. We already know the guy won't pay Aiden, which is weird. We've talked about it on here already. Very weird stance to take. You're going to piss him off and then end up having to pay him anyway. So it's really strange. And then he got so far out in front of a story 
Can I just read this? Yeah, please. Wait, read all of it. Yes. First tweet and then the statement, please. Yeah. So this came out uh, on October 22nd. So we're three days uh, three? late. So <laughs> this story should be dropping very soon. But Jordan Schultz at Schultz underscore report says breaking with a siren emoji. So, you know, it's real. Bow, 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 bow. Uh, the NBA is preparing for a massive story accusing hashtag Suns owner Robert Sarver of racism, sexism, and sexual harassment in a series of incidents, sources say. With enough evidence to support such claims, there's a real chance the league would forcibly remove Sarver. That right off the bat. That's a that is those are intense. That is hefty. Seri- like the NBA is preparing for the story right off the bat. That's a big, like the NBA has knowledge that the story is coming. Uh, a lot of things that Robert Sarver has alleged uh, to be guilty of. And the fact that it says with enough support that's of such claims that the league would have to forcibly, like we're talking about some Donald Sterling esque stuff here. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure we'll ever get a better statement than Donald Sterling's deposition. Right. But, you know, we can hope. Uh, So then, Greg, go ahead. Robert Sarver comes out with a statement. Again, this story has not dropped. It hasn't come out yet. Yeah. Not only, yeah. not But, like, this came out, what, hours after the tweet came out? Right. Like, did not waste any time, which makes me think that this statement was in the chamber ready to go well i mean that doesn't actually surprise me because like if it makes sense that you know they take the information to sarver and the sons they say here's what we have we're going to be reporting this story would you like to comment on it and they say no he probably he's probably getting the statement ready at that moment so it's not surprising that they have the statement ready to go but that what's surprising to me is that we're here you know three four days later still don't have a story but he's this far out in front of it. So go ahead and read the statement. Yes. Statement from Sun's legacy partners, LLC managing partner, Robert Sarver. Quote, I am wholly shocked by some of the allegations purported by ESPN about me personally or about the Phoenix Suns and Mercury organizations. While I can't begin to know how to respond to some of the vague suggestions made by mostly anonymous voices, I can certainly tell you that some of the claims I find completely repugnant to my nature and to the character of the sun slash Mercury workplace, and I can tell you they never, ever happened. First and foremost, I reject any insinuation of personal or organizational racism or gender discrimination. I despise language that disrespects any individuals, regardless of race, gender preference, or choice. Such language has no place in business or at home. In what I consider sons and Mercury families, I am proud of our record of diversity and inclusion on both teams, whether on the court or in the front office. I don't begin to know how to prove that something didn't happen. And it is difficult to erase or forget ugly accusations once they are made. Even hints of racism or sexism in our culture today are toxic and damaging and should not be lightly raised. I categorically deny any and all suggestions that I use disparaging language related to race or gender. I would like to think that my actions and public record regarding race, gender, or discrimination of any kind over a lifetime in business and community service will adequately answer any questions anyone might raise about my commitment to equality and fairness. Oh boy. <laughs> that man ran a marathon to get 
ahead of this. And, you know, honestly, like we will find out, we'll see the story when it comes out and we'll see, you know, what's been alleged and how much evidence there is. I'm not going to say one way or the other that any of it's true or not. What I find most offensive in that statement is that second paragraph where he says, I reject any insinuation of personal or organizational racism or gender discrimination. Right. I find it very hard to believe that anyone almost could make that kind of like a blanket statement. Right. I mean, like in today's world, it is very likely that someone within an organization as large as an NBA franchise is not the best person in the world. So like a blanket statement like that, that it's that, you know, you could say it about yourself individually, but like on an organization level that there's absolutely zero that, that stretches a little bit too far for me. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. Not only that, but you don't get into a position of power. You don't, have Robert Sarver's bank account by being a good person. It's just absolutely impossible. It feels weird to say I can't wait for to see what this story has in it, but I can wait, have waited for days, and I guess we'll continue to wait until it comes out. And then the, the statement, you know, denying everything is so far ahead of the story because we don't know when the story is coming out that by the time that it comes out, they're going to have to make another statement because this one will have been forgotten. Yeah. It, it, it always, and you know, it reminds me of, you know, that viral clip of a few years ago, I think it was in like 2018 uh, of that, that Phoenix woman, her name is Greta Rogers who went and like publicly blasted Robert Sarver and the Phoenix city council. I don't know if you remember that. I do not. Yeah, there's a whole whole quote about him. Like he was asking for the city council for $150 million to renovate the Suns Arena. This is taxpayer money, especially after they were coming off a 21 and 61 season. And she she's had that, she had like a very famous line that talked about how he's quote, so tight he squeaks when he walks. <laughs> what an insult. What an yeah. insult. And so, like, yeah. He doesn't have a great reputation. He's not very well liked in Phoenix. I'm going to withhold judgment until I hear, you know, I read the stories and I and we get the full scoop of the allegations. But uh, my man does have a bit of a reputation. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's one thing to get ahead of a story, but this far ahead of it feels weird. Yeah, At the same yeah. time, though, it's like, I mean, if you're in that position, you know, and you're talking with, you know, your lawyers, all your PR people, everything like that. I'm sure that the, the message is like, we got to get out in front of this. It, just the timing of everything has been weird because the story didn't come out yet. Yeah. And, and, you know, this is just me, but when you get this far ahead of something and you're this like reactive to it, to me, that puts out all the wrong signs. Yeah. Like if like, if you're innocent, it's easy to prove it. And you're like, you don't have to sit here and make like a huge, like hullabaloo about it. Yeah. You know, but if you're, you know, crying dogs hit or, or, or what is it? Hurt dogs cry or whatever. I forgot exactly what the f- saying is, but uh, you Not guys good get with it. saying tonight. <laughs> you, you understand what I'm saying. And it applies here. And one saying that does work. And we say it a lot on this podcast. 
sucks to suck. suck. And with that, let's move on to something that has not sucked. The Jazz. Our boys. They're 2-0. and the they beat the thunder in the opening game of the season they beat the kings in on the road in their second game of the season let's start uh with the first game greg i would just like to read what you wrote in the outline for us for this game the thunder are hot stinky garbage (laughs) they're poop (laughs) they're they want that bottom seed in the west so bad Oh, yeah. Yeah. They want it's going to be an interesting tank off between them and Houston, I think, because I think what is it? I think this is the last year that Houston has their picks before they have to start giving all of them away. Right. Um, so I think they're going to try to be hot, stinky garbage as well. Um, but they actually have like legitimate NBA players on their roster. I think that like when I was watching that game, I, I, I turned to my wife and I was like, the Thunder have two guys mm. on the entire team who would crack the Jazz's roster. Lou Dort, and that's Lou Shea Dort, Gil, yeah. Yeah, and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. The rest of them are getting a one-way ticket to the G League. And I mean one way, because they're not coming back. Yeah, and I mean... Honestly, it's it's hard to have like really good takeaways from that game because yeah. it was it's the talent level is just so wide between the Jazz and the Thunder right now. And like I have yeah. all the respect in the world for a guy like Lou Dort. I mean, we've said it before on this pod. We are big, big fans, big fans. Of Lou Dort. He's one of the thick jack kings of the league. And uh, we love those defensive minded guys who can also get it done on the other end. Mm-hmm. but that that is about it yeah and it seemed like i don't think the jazz played a particularly good game against the thunder i thought that donovan mitchell completely sleptwalked through the first half guy i mean they were shooting at one point like less than 30 percent from three right and they still coasted to like what a, a 20 point victory and I think, I mean, the lone bright spot was just how thoroughly dominating Rudy Gobert was. Yeah, there are a couple of things. I mean, yes, you're absolutely right. Rudy Gobert was completely dominant and and it's clear that Donovan can give more and that he didn't have to. Yeah. A, a couple of things. First of all, before I continue, I want to get this on record. My lights in my apartment have blinked a few times. And so... If we lose the power, then podcast over. <laughs> Seems to me your place is haunted and the only thing you can do is burn it down. All right. Well, you heard it here. Folks. <laughs> <laughs> Send that to the insurance company. I Honestly, what stood out the most to me and was not a good thing was that they were in a blowout win and, and got everybody on the floor except for Udoka. I think... I've already, it's already been kind of documented how I feel about Azabuke. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to go on record again. I, at this point, agree with Quinn. I don't think that he is an NBA player. I mean, the Jazz assigned him to the Stars today, Monday. And they wanted to make it clear that they just wanted to get some practice time because he's not getting minutes. But in my mind, there have 
there are a lot of people on that roster who would have to go down before they would actually start giving minutes to Doak. Yeah, I don't I don't see a path for him at all. And it's it's just compounded again when you look at what guys like Jaden McDaniels and like Desmond Bain are doing, who were both still available. I mean, I if think you- I think it was a huge huge swing and a miss for the organization yeah. and then you look at you look at some of the guys that are on the roster like who who all would have to go down before like you'd have rudy hassan second rudy rudy gay yeah eric pascal eric they might call up marcus bolden from the stars before they give dope minutes. Dope minutes yeah it's, it's they might play really... royce at the five before they give yeah. dope minutes it's a really damning indictment of doke and you know what like in the pre we we talked about it in the preseason he didn't look at all ready he got bullied by by guys he shouldn't have been bullied by he he it makes he wasn't rebounding he he didn't he didn't know the plays he didn't know where he needed to be on offense and defense he couldn't do anything other than roll to the hoop it, and, and when you're going up against NBA players and NBA coaches, being one-dimensional is a death sentence for your career. Yeah. And I feel I feel bad for the guy because it's like I, I see him, I see him in practice too. And like he's constantly on the treadmill, just like running his big old heart out because he wants to be well conditioned and ready to go and ready to run and he's putting in work i mean the guy's drenched in sweat he's he's putting in as much work as he can and and i just feel bad for him it sucks it sucks it sucks for him it sucks for the organization um you know and we said when we the jazz initially drafted him and then went out and gave favors to the full mle like there wasn't a path for him then. There isn't a path for him now. He hasn't made the necessary strides. And it just, it sucks. Yeah. Just just all around. A couple of things that I saw that night in at opening night, uh, Jared Butler's family was at the game. And That's so cool. Um, they had, they have, you know, I'm sure people saw on social media that the Jazz have these huge, big new portraits of the players down in the, event level hallway around like near the locker rooms mm-hmm. and uh jared butler's parents uh and his siblings showed up and they all crowded around the his oh. picture on the wall and had people take pictures of them with his picture it was so they were beaming they that were makes so me want to cry that's it was, beautiful it was really sweet oh man yeah good, good for that and rightfully so you know if i had a son or a sibling in the NBA, I would, I would be doing the same thing. Yeah. And that's, it's just, that is, that's, it's that's cool to beautiful. see moments like that when it's just like, it's just proud parents, you know? And like, yeah. I, I met his sister and his parents the, the day after draft day, they're all, they couldn't be more proud of the guy. He didn't listen. He didn't have great minutes in that first game, but he, no one's expecting a ton out of him early on. He it's going to take some time and it was just, you know, spot minutes here and there. So uh, my I man have, was nervous. He was nervous. It, you could it, see, there was a there was palpable nerves watching. It was him funny in that because game. it's funny because a couple a couple of reasons. Like one, he was so certain in the days leading up to that game. He's like, oh, I'm not going to be nervous. 
<laughs> and then it was like so clear that he was nervous when he got into the game, which is fine. That's nothing to like turn your nose up at a guy. Being no, we, we love a player with a poker face. Yeah. And, and the other thing is that Quinn Snyder's actually getting annoyed by all of the questions that me and the other reporters, I think mainly me actually have been asking about Jared Butler because a couple of times now he's said to me, you know, you've asked me more questions about Jared Butler leading up to this season than you have Donovan Mitchell or Rudy Gobert. And I mean, to yeah, there, that- were few, there were fewer questions to ask about Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. We know, yeah. we know the type of players they are. All right. And to that, I say like, yeah, I know a lot about those two. You're the one that can tell me the information about Jared Butler that I don't know. And then, but to Quinn's point though, he's like, imagine being Jared and hearing all of this constantly. It's just yep. about him, just about him, just about him. And you lead up to that first day. Yeah, no wonder the guy passed the ball off the back of someone. You know? <laughs> so those, my, those my apologies. My apologies to Jared Butler. It's all your fault. And it feels like it. Fake news media strikes again. Fake news, Todd. That's what they call me. <laughs> Moving on to the second game of the season, the Sacramento Kings. That was that was a way more fun game than I was expecting to be watching uh-huh. against the Kings. I'm honestly if the Kings were to turn out to be like even moderately eighth seed good, that's exciting for me. They're scrappy. And you know, they have yeah. a good collection of talent they on do. that team. Buddy healed. Good player. De'Aaron Fox, top tier, cool guy. Good player. Rashawn De- Holmes. I love Rashawn Holmes. Another guy, another cool guy who plays his off. Yeah. And then, Maybe my new favorite player in the league. Man, he's so good. Davion, Davion Mitchell rules. Dude, he also has he he has the best nickname in the NBA since AK forty seven. Off night is so good. I don't know who came up with that. Who yeah. gave him that nickname? I don't know. But that is brilliant. And I am like I am firmly anti nickname because I think the majority of them suck. They do. Off night as as good as it gets he's he's so good that like and we talked about this uh well i'll just reference it when we did our review of the mouse at the palace doc over Mm -hmm. the off season there were some shades of ron artest that i saw out of davian Uh mitchell that i was like whoa that's on the his second night in the nba yeah Oh my God. Like we might be looking at a kid that could be the best like wing perimeter defender in the NBA in his first, in his second year, maybe. Yeah. He gave me shades of prime Tony Allen. Yeah. Oh man. It was, he, he has a lot of fun to watch. He's He's all over the place. He doesn't know how to give up on plays. Uh, He's got a frame that you can tell he can be thick and jacked. Like yeah, Man. he's he's the to- and and he gets it done on offense. He's a good yeah. player. Like he's gonna be. It would not surprise me in a year or two if we're talking about him on an All Star team. He's that good. Yeah, and definitely an All Defensive Team. Oh yeah, I think. I mean, it's he, possible he makes All Defense this year. Yeah, he had he's had two plays in three games that really just had me going like holy. The yeah. first one was the drive against Donovan Mitchell, where he just straight up took the ball away from Donovan. Yeah. Donovan is crazy strong. Yeah. And is 
And one of the things that makes Donovan so good, and especially around the rim, is his balance and his body control. Mm -hmm. And to be able to just like absorb that shoulder and then still rip the ball, there are a a handful of players in the league who can do that. What what really impresses me is that he didn't have the nerves and I understand that uh-huh. they played Portland already. They had a road game, but that was the home game. And he and that- clamped up Damian yeah. Lillard in his debut game. Yeah. And this was the home game. It was the first time that the Kings had a full crowd since mm-hmm. COVID hit that arena was so, it literally felt like a playoff game. It was so, so loud cool. and none of it seemed to impact Davian at all. And I love that so there's cool. Mitchell on Mitchell crime happening. And that's, that's a matchup <laughs> that we're going to be seeing for years because the, like whenever the teams meet Donovan Mitchell will be going at Davian. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I, I said that there were two plays. We yeah, highlighted that second the one. one, the second one that may have been even more impressive was there is not a shiftier player with a better handle in the league than Steph Curry. Yeah. You know, and Steph got the better of, of Davion in their game. What was it last night? But there was one play in particular where Steph gets him on an ISO and it's just is, you know, is doing his dance with the basketball and does this, does this quick drive behind the back step back three that he does very well. And they, all he needs is, is that like tiny, tiny window, that little bit of space to get his, his shot off. Davion was able to backpedal, put the brakes on and then fully contest Steph Curry's shot. Steph barely drew rip. Yeah. And we're talking about the greatest shooter in the history of the NBA and arguably the greatest handle. And this guy's doing that in his third game. Yeah. Against a rookie. Yeah. My, yeah. He's a rookie in his third game and he's doing that. My jaw almost hit the floor. Like I look like that, like, like cartoon wolf who like smashes his head with the, yeah. 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 So good. I I know this is turning into the Davion Mitchell show and (laughs) I am, I'm all for it. That kid rules. One more thing about Davion and then we can move on to other guys. (laughs) Cause we talked about like how impressive he is on the offense. Like off, obviously it's the defense that is the most impressive, but he's mm-hmm. also impressive on the offensive end. And Joe Ingles got uh, ejected from the game for a flagrant foul too. whether or not we agree that it should have been a one or two is I think neither here nor there. Sure. And uh, you, you can't take a guy's legs out whether or not you mean to, right? Yeah. Like you just can't do it. I think what happened and I haven't talked to Joe about this, but I think what happened is like, Davian got up so high and so quick, so quick. I think that everyone was shocked. He was like going up for a dunk from a place he shouldn't have been going up for a dunk from. And it was like, if Joe wasn't there, he would have made it. He would have hit that. And I think that Joe was surprised that he got that much air. And so like, he didn't mean to be in that spot, but he was there. Uh, Yeah. I think Joe was playing the layup. Yeah, he was playing the layup. Yeah, and just got caught in the wrong place at the wrong time. And I think Davion said something like that, like, or to the effect that like he didn't think Ingles meant to hurt him at all or something like that in the in the post game presser. Yeah, and Joe didn't talk to us after the game, but Quinn said the same thing too. Like, Joe, there was no malicious intent behind Joe's. He's not a he's not a dirty player. No, he's not. Uh, he'll he'll talk to you all day long, but he's not trying to take anybody out of the game. It was. 
again, it's just another really impressive thing out of Davian Mitchell because not only did he get his legs taken out, he popped right back up. <laughs> yeah. God, I wish I was 20 years old again. I know, right? I'm so I'm so sad and injured all the time. <laughs> I'm always hurt. And if I'm not hurt, I'm so sore. Yeah. Uh, I hate this shit so much. Well, Donovan in the first half of that game against the Kings, I think that it's like half of it was that he just wasn't having a good offensive night. Half of it was that Davian, I think, maybe took him out of his game a little bit, surprised him. Yeah. I think that he was surprised. And then I think that he wanted so badly to get the better of that matchup that things got a little stagnant. He was, he was pressing. He was pressing. A little bit. In his defense, the Jazz did want him to press. They wanted him to keep attacking so that they could just find lanes that were open and figure out exactly how the Kings were going to play them defensively. But I think that he attacked more often to get the better of that matchup than he did to actually pass out. Yeah, and you could tell when the game was getting the the game was still tight, but the Jazz were making that run in the fourth quarter. He gets that drive. Davion actually gets a little piece of the ball, but he's able to to finish. And you could kind of just see Donovan had that look. Yeah, where he was like, you know, it it reminded me a little bit of that that same kind of glare he had when he hit that uh, that three pointer over Millsap in the bubble. Right. Yeah. Same, same kind of thing where it was like, yeah, you know, I've got this, you know, young was, kid might be good, but like, you know, I'm still, I'm still the top dog kind of a thing. Yeah. Then, and that's the thing is like, I think in the second half of that game that Donovan kind of realized th- who he was, you know, he was like, yeah, Oh I'm, yeah. I'm the two time all-star. Yeah, yeah. Never mind. I got this. I can deal with this. Um, yeah. The thing that impressed me the most in that game was that lineup that closed the third quarter mm-hmm. who like hadn't really played together. It was Mike Conley, Rudy Gobert, Jordan Clarkson, Eric Paschal, and Trent Forrest. And they get on a run, close the gap. Clarkson nails a three at the end of the quarter to take the lead for the first time since Ingles got kicked out of the game. And yeah, it was it, that was a very good lineup and it was really nice to see how they hadn't played together really, but that they were able to be that cohesive in a game. Very, very good moment. Yeah. I thought that just overall, that game was good. Like exactly yeah. kind of the game that the jazz need. And like, that's a game previous jazz teams lose. Yeah. You know, and then and then we're doing we're doing the the season recap and we're going like, oh yeah, that was an inexplicable loss to the Kings early on in the season. And that's why we're the fourth seed instead of the third seed. And like this is a team you're seeing pulling out and winning tough games, not only because of the talent, but because of the experience. And like, you know, this is a team now that's been there before. Right. And they're, they're, they're battle tested. They're tried and true. Um, and I thought it was impressive. Like you're going to have to just have games where you just grind it out. And the fact that the jazz, you know, we talked about it last year and it happened again too. They were able to flip the switch. Right. You know, I didn't, I didn't think that the jazz were disinterested. Like I think they were sometimes last year and where the, and then they would be like, Oh, okay. I guess, I guess it's the fourth quarter. Let's go on a 24 run because we can. Right. Like this was a team that was grinding. I think Sacramento is better than, than we may have thought, but still they kind of just, they kind of just gritted their teeth and 
got a W in a hostile environment and you know, that's good. That's, that's the grit you want from, from your team. Yeah. And like you said, I mean, uh, Donovan said as much too, that he didn't think that maybe last year that they win that game. Cause they kind of, they had moments where if they, if a game got kind of out of control for them, then they spiraled a little bit Uh huh. and and this, this will be a good game moving forward for them to just be able to look back and say, like, we don't do that anymore. We're able to collect ourselves and correct ourselves in the moment. We don't, we don't need big changes. Like while we're on the floor, we can change things. And again, Rudy Gobert in that fourth quarter was just crazy. So, so good. He made, he, he had that, that play that obviously everyone was talking about. Right. And rightfully so that, I don't know. I don't even know how many people in the history of basketball. I mean, I know I understand this might be a little hyperbolic, but what he did on that play was unreal where he was running. I think it was Rashawn Holmes and De'Aaron Fox were running in high pick and roll at the perimeter and Rudy Gobert shows on De'Aaron Fox and denies the mid range jumper. So then Darren Fox being smart, being heady, being a good point guard throws the lob to what looked like a wide open Rashawn Holmes. Gobert was able to backpedal and is big enough and long enough to swat the shot out of the air, which is an unbelievable play. And then sprints the entire length of the court and gets an alley-oop dunk on the other end. Like that is, yeah. That is such a phenomenal play. And those are the type of plays that win you games. And And I hope defense on the defense, on the switch, the recovery, the block, and then the quickness to be out on the other end for a transition bucket. Like those are the kinds of things that people say Gobert can't do. And he can. Yeah. 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 And this whole thing. Oh, he can't guard in space. He can't guard the perimeter. He did everything you could possibly do defensively on that play to perfection. Yeah. And he just, he's so good defensively. Like we say it a lot and people write about it in columns. He shuts down entire areas of the court Yeah, where it's just like, he's like Gandalf with his staff. That's a movie reference. You um, shall not pass. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Listen, you're it talking, is, I'll watch any movie un- that has a wizard in it. <laughs> It is unbelievable that he's just like, no, you, you, this isn't going to happen. And like, just how often people just don't even go into like the vicinity of Rudy Gobert. Yeah. It's he's Very such a good special stuff. player. Really, really he, special player. He's a weirdo man. Loves his crystals. Loves a rock, <laughs> but <laughs> he is the rock of the Utah jazz. Absolutely. He is the, he is the, the bedrock. He is the cornerstone. He is the rudilated crystal. Oh God damn it. Rudilated quartz. <laughs> yeah. Can I, uh, I just want to say something really quickly before, you know, yeah. we put a bow on this. There have been two players. Yes. That were kind of a bit concerning coming into the season in, mm-hmm. in preseason pleasant surprises in the first two games. Go, go for it. Uh, I have been, I was very impressed with Eric Pascal's minutes. The playmaking is real. The playmaking is real. Yeah. It, it is a real thing. I, I mean, obviously we all wish that he could snap his fingers and be a 35% three point shooter. Probably that not going to happen. Said, 
he hit He's a willing. couple of shot. He hit a couple of shots in that Kings game. And yeah. this, a lot of coaches in the NBA talk about this. And I'm, I'm a big believer in it, that being efficient is not as important as being timely. And yeah. if you can hit a bucket under pressure in, uh, when, when it matters and when you need a bucket, that that's a big thing. And he hit a couple of big ones there. So, yeah. And the, and the, the, the versatility is a real thing as well. Yeah. He's, you know, I, I said I was high on him in the preseason and I'm starting to see it even more in the regular season. It, the, the goodness is manifesting and, and even more so thoroughly impressed with the Hassan white side in the first two games. Yeah. It's so strange to think about the Hassan white side of the past versus the Hassan white side of the present, because yeah. he's so willing to admit his flaws and it's such a good sign from someone who you expect, or maybe had preconceived notions of being more arrogant than he is because after that game against Sacramento, which he played very well, there were a couple of slip ups, you know, yeah. he, he missed a bat cut from Harrison Barnes. Yeah. Was got, wide the easy, open. got the easy wide open dunk. Yep. And, and that was all Hassan uh, just missing his guy, but like, there were also minutes where he was incredibly needed and just brought the right amount of physicality and, you know, threw it back at the Kings who were being incredibly physical. Yeah. It's really, really tough minutes. And then after the game for her son to, you know, speak to reporters and, and tell us I'm getting, I'm getting there. I'm getting better. Like Quinn's got a playbook, the size of a dictionary and like, it's going to take me a while, but, and like, I'm going to have slip ups, but I'm getting there. Like, that's exactly what you want to hear love love it so much and the guy i i don't know what quinn has done but again like it, it's just another feather in his cap of like how good of a coach he is he has hassan whiteside at least in the first two games playing his yeah. off yeah 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 he's gonna he's gonna slip up but he has like He's coached him up. And again, like he has that fire and like the, yeah, the physicality he brought against the Kings was so necessary yeah. and they're just, you know, my love for Derek favors is well-documented, right? Might be my favorite jazz player of all time. The guy, I mean, there's, there's no other way to say it. he was a liability last season and the upgrade the jazz have made in the backup center minutes is, is huge. Especially when you have Rudy Gobert on the bench waiting to check in. Yeah, because we already know the astronomical numbers the Utah Jazz have when Rudy Gobert is on the floor. Right. But if you're getting that kind of production from your backup center, who's still figuring it out? Right. Who's still figuring it out? Yeah. yeah. And again, I'm still kind of tempering my expectations. It's the Thunder and the Kings. If he's still doing this, right. if he has another big game against Jokic tomorrow, then fully on the train. I am the conductor. I am wearing the stupid hat that Bobby Bacala used to wear. Yeah, we, I totally agree. I mean, we will be critical when criticism is needed and warranted when there is a larger sample size of games, when the jazz up, we're going to talk about it, but the sample size that we have is two games and through two games, there has been a lot to be happy about. If you're a jazz fan. Mm -hmm. Also, uh, just one one more thing I would say to jazz fans worrying about Donovan Mitchell. The sky isn't falling. No. He also, like, the man had back-to-back -back games against Lou Dort and Davion Mitchell. 
that's a gnarly like as as gnarly a murderer's row as donovan's gonna face the entire season and he was still good i mean i understand and he still people, got 20 what he still got yeah. 27 points against the kings people are gonna look at a shooting percentage and like that uh, shooting percentages are not always what matter because if you're playing defense as well as the jazz are playing defense especially in the second half of these first two games then you're then like your offensive struggles don't matter right and again and again a win is a win is a win is a win. Yep. Two W's. That ought to, that ought to put a bow on it for today. Greg, you're going to be at the Nuggets game tomorrow. I'm going to, I'm going to see you. Yeah. I'm going to see you. The trified, boosted and roosted. I don't know. Like, yeah. what else? that sounds like, <laughs> but that's what we're going with. Cause it's the only thing that rhymes. I like boosted and roosted. <laughs> I like it a lot. I don't know what it means. To, to I don't be, know. To be it doesn't roosted. matter. Don't ask questions. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't matter, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited. Yeah. Uh, Nuggets are in town. Jokic is a beast. It doesn't matter. They don't have Jamal Murray. That's a good team. I know the Cavs are kind of uh, putting it on them a little bit. In the first part of the game, the game's not over, I don't think. Doesn't matter. They're coming in second night of a back-to-back. They know that that means that the Jazz uh, – might discount them a little bit and so like everyone's going to be going at each other's throats it's always a good game when the nuggets play the jazz so very much looking forward to it i'm so excited for tomorrow night yeah you and colin yeah i'm gonna smooch your boyfriend that's fine i'll allow it he's also he's also boosted and roosted yes (laughs) oh pandemics uh, be damned couple of random things here I started mm. watch. I started watching a movie. Oh! <laughs> uh, I watched half of, and I'm, I'm going to finish it on Wednesday on my flight. I watched the first half of the original Alfred Hitchcock Psycho. So good. And, I mean, so far so good. I'm really impressed with how creepy Norman Bates is. Oh uh, yeah, he's a total freak. Really good. The beginning credits were like an hour long. Hated that. <laughs> uh, but that's old movies for you. You want to hear a cool little known fact about that movie? Yes, I would love that. Have you have you gotten to the shower scene yet? That is exactly where I ended was at the conclusion okay. of the shower scene. So, I actually tested a bunch of a bunch of different liquids, a bunch of fluids to try okay. to get the right consistency for blood. Okay. On that, and he finally found the perfect one. So, the the liquid that you see being spattered yeah. in Psycho. Chocolate syrup perfect <laughs> which works perfectly in a black and white movie exactly yeah yeah and then like as the man it's like the man was a filmmaking genius draining into like the shower drain i can yep, s- yep. perfect good stuff the perfect consistency so i'm very much looking forward to watching the second half of psycho this week <laughs> and then i you am, said in 1964 i know i'm i'm only only 60 years late to this movie i love it um, and then also I booked, you know, the jazz are going to be in Orlando in a couple of weeks and I booked tickets for my mother to come meet me in Orlando oh. and we are going to Harry Potter land together. So I'm really this. excited. I love this for you. Yeah. It's going to be really, really great. What, uh, what house are you? I am Slytherin. My mother is Ravenclaw. <laughs> if you had to diagnose me and I am a total Harry you Potter neophyte. Are, you are absolutely Gryffindor through and through. Okay. I don't know what that means, but I'm going to take it as a It's compliment. the one that everybody wants to be in. 
That's the sweetest thing you've ever said. <laughs> no, it really is. It's a big compliment. I love you so much. You're a wonderful, too. wonderful person. I love you. Let's quit. Let's get out of here <laughs> while we're on top. <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. Hey, you guys know the deal. You know what to do. Rate, review, subscribe, download, do all of the things. You can follow Greg at Dad Sham Dad. Follow me at NBA Sarah. Follow the show at Unsalvageables. Send us an email with a question or thought. UnsalvageablePod at gmail.com. Thanks for coming by, and we will talk to you next time. Oh, I have one other thing really quickly that Love I need this. to plug. Yeah. Yes. I'm I'm so good at podcasting, guys. <laughs> yeah, we're really good at this. <laughs> um, if you remember, you hearken back to our uh our episode, The Malice of the Palace, we had Jabari Davis on. Yes, love Jabari. I jumped on his podcast last night to talk about a fallen hero in my life. Carl Malone. You can mm. go ahead. It should be dropping in the next day or so. Um, words words were said. I can imagine that some was, words were said. What's the name was, of the pod? It is Never Meet Your Heroes. Never Meet Your Heroes, kids. Great pod and great advice. Yes. So anyway, with that said, have a lovely evening, morning, afternoon, whatever time it is you're listening. Thank you for that. Goodbye. <laughs>